0: our Lord. And it's that last verse I really want to think about, so I'll just read it again. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Christmas has passed, and it's Boxing Day, and uh, maybe the novelty of your presence is worn off. Maybe some of the things you got yesterday are no more. If you've got a box of chocolates for a Christmas gift, then the box of chocolates might have disappeared but maybe you've got a Christmas gift that you're still looking forward to enjoying maybe you've got Christmas gifts that you got many Christmases ago and you still enjoy gifts are things that we like to receive aren't they and they come in various forms and they have different meanings associated with them depending on who gave us them and they have different uses But the one thing that distinguishes a gift, really, is that someone gave it to you. A gift isn't something that you receive because you've been at work and you've done a day's work and at the end of the day somebody says to you, well, that's a good job you've done. You've dug a good trench, you've done your accounts well or whatever it is that you might have been doing at work. And somebody says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a gift here's a box of chocolates, come back tomorrow and do another good day's work for me. That's not what a gift is about, that's really earned wages. And Paul here is making a massive contrast between wages and gifts. Now I guess there are still some who um, haven't yet had the privilege of earning wages, but I remember yet the first time I ever earned anything I felt really quite chuffed. I worked in the library, the public library in Wishaw every second Saturday, and uh, was paid something like £6 something for the privilege of a day's work. Now you might laugh if you're younger and think, it's hardly working out of bed for £6 for a day's work, but I was able to afford to get a driving lesson once a week for that £6, so if you cast that into today's cost for driving lessons, it puts it a bit more in perspective. But I got my pay Because I'd done work. And I remember when I left school and I spent a summer working in Ravenscraig, which was um, a massive integrated steelworks, and uh, in these days, labourers got their wages once a week. There were salary staff, engineers and managers and so on, but when you were a labourer, you got your wages once a week. And you turned up as you left for the night on a Thursday, as I seem to recall, and instead of just docking out as was the norm on your time clock you also went and you collected your wages and you would get your pay slip and uh, I remember getting this what to me at the time seemed a huge amount of money we'll into the amounts but it certainly was a man's wages for doing a day of shovel a week of shoveling dirt at a steel works and getting absolutely filthy And I felt as though I'd earned it. And I was really quite chuffed because, you know, as I went home sitting in the bus, feeling dirty and dishevelled and having to have a bath each night I went home, I felt as though I'd earned that money that I got in my pay packet. And it was a good feeling. But when Paul's writing here about wages, what's the wages he's talking about? What he says is the wages of sin is death. Well, I don't think any of us would be chuffed and really thinking to ourselves, that's great, after a good long days of work I'm going to die. You know? That would not be the sort of wages you would want to work for, would it be? But yet, in the preceding verses Paul talked about, how people were slaves to sin. And the consequence of living a life in which you let sin rule is that you'll collect your wages for being a good good servant, a good slave to the taskmaster, which is sin and doing wrong. So you think to yourself, that's a real start warning. If the wages of sin is death, why would I want to stick in the job people change jobs because they don't like how much they're getting paid there are lots of reasons people would change their jobs but one reason people change their job is because they don't think they're getting a very good pay for it but yet the Bible tells us as Paul wrote here to the Romans that when he was speaking to the Romans who had become Christians but before they became Christians they had been slaves to sin and what they'd been earning with sin as their master were wages which was death and you think to yourself what rational sensible person would want to toil away to earn death as a reward but you see that's the situation we find ourselves in we find ourselves in a situation where we actually end up doing things that are wrong because we're born that way. We're born into this situation where we just can't help but do it. And we do things that are sinful, things that are evil, things that are wrong, however you want to use the language, but to use Paul's language here, things that are sinful. And the outcome of that is that we die. Now, we'll all die one day, and we all know people who have died. And death came into the world when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned in particular. And death came into the world, and a day came when Adam, in old age, died. And he wouldn't have died had sin not come into the world because he was disobedient to God, because Adam was disobedient to God. And that's been the course of history that men and women have died. But there's a sense in which there's a far worse death being spoken of by Paul here than simply dying and being buried in the grave. And that is that it's a death of separation from God. And what Paul's really saying is not only will we die and be buried in the ground, but we will be separated from God and we'll be dead spiritually to God. That's what happens when we make ourselves obedient to sin and we do what sin dictates in our lives I don't want to talk particularly about any special one sin or another because we each have temptations that come in different ways and I could use an example of a sin and you might quite genuinely say well that doesn't bother me I, I, I've never murdered anyone for example but if you think in your own life and you challenge yourself with the question Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever broken God's laws? Then, if you're being honest with yourself, you will inevitably have to say, Yes, I have. And I talked about being slaves to sin, as Paul wrote about it. And you might think to yourself, Well... I really don't want to do these things that are wrong, but they just they just seem to keep happening. In some senses, I want to try and do better, but I just seem to keep falling into old habits once again. I turn over a new leaf. Next weekend is new year and people make new year resolutions, but from experience, we tend not to keep them very long do we? We end up going back to our old ways. But when it comes to trying to turn over a new leaf and doing good, we find it difficult to do that, don't we? But what Paul is saying to these folks in Rome, and by extension to ourselves as we've read this passage today, is that we're actually enslaved to sin from the moment we're born. Because just as Adam sinned and introduced sin into the human race, and so by that one man who was the head of the human race sin came into the world well it spread to all of us and all of us are affected by it now of course we're very conscious of living in a pandemic and of the degree to which viruses can spread and how easy it is for people to pick up a bug in ways that we weren't used to you know, we we uh, maybe had outbreaks of the flu or outbreaks of colds and so on, and a few folk, relatively speaking, would get a really bad cold one winter. But for the last couple of years, we've experienced what a pandemic is like—that comes in some new form and spreads—and really, we find that in our lives, sin just spreads. Just one thing affects another, and one thing that we do affects something else that we do, and we're totally snowed under and consumed by having sin in our lives. But the Bible tells us that there is a great hope that we can have, and it's not found in turning over a new leaf, and it's not found in just trying to do better and hoping that we can But the Bible tells us very clearly that God has provided us with a gift of eternal life. And that eternal life, knowing God and knowing Jesus and knowing him as our new master, frees us from slavery to sin. The Bible talks quite clearly about there being two separate masters in in various places. The Bible talks about having two masters. And in this passage, there's the sense of being slaves to sin or being slaves, as Paul describes it, to righteousness. And the great thing is that in order to overcome this sin that besets us, that we don't seem to be able to get rid of ourselves... God has provided his outside influence, if you like, his external help. Because we can't do it from within. We can't solve that problem from within. And God has prepared a great gift for us, which is salvation, which comes through Jesus Christ. And the last part we read, the verse says, The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ, the one who is the Son of God, the one who Paul described as he spoke to these Roman Christians as being our Lord, our Master. Through him, God is able to provide eternal life. And is able to provide forgiveness for the sin that we are so troubled by. And is able to grant to us the righteousness that God's Son, Jesus, is himself characterised by. Which is a massive contrast to the wrongdoing that's in our lives. The one man who lived, of whom it could never be said that he sinned, either in what he did, or in what he thought, was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the one man, who did not, who was not entitled to the wages of sin which was death. But yet he died. Because he chose to die. And he died on the cross at Calvary to be a sacrifice to God. So that God can be just and forgive those who trust in Christ Jesus their sins. It's a easy to describe exchange isn't it? It's not complicated to describe at that level, but it requires us to accept it and to believe and to trust that when Jesus Christ died on Calvary, it was on my behalf. And you need to accept it for yourself as to be on your behalf for it actually to make effect to you. And we're transformed when we do, and we become slaves of righteousness. And Paul describes that as being freed. And we're freed up to do that which God wants us to do. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as I was saying we need to appropriate it to ourselves. And the analogy is often used that if someone comes offering you a gift and you sit there with your arms folded and you know you can imagine it's easy to think of a petulant child but sometimes there are petulant adults aren't there? and um, you can, it's easier to imagine the child's face face tripping them won't name names but on FaceTime yesterday the comment was made by young, one little girl I got the dress, but and before any more could come out her elder sister, and I'm giving the game away who it was then, eh? her elder sister said shh, don't say it so she obviously didn't like the dress she'd got for her Christmas anyway she'd got it and she's to wear it today apparently (laughs) but sometimes people don't like the gifts and they you know let it be known that they don't like the gift and they effectively say I don't really want that, you can have it back just take it back I'm not interested so a gift is something that we have to accept for it to become ours some of course very happily accept gifts and hopefully everybody was happy to accept the gifts they received yesterday when they received gifts and um, hopefully you're still enjoying them other than your boxes of chocolates perhaps but you see when it comes to the gift of god God is offering to you his gift of eternal life and although I was describing being born into sin and being enslaved by sin God does not turn to each man and woman and say I'm going to impose on you that you are going to become forgiven and I'm going to demand that you live your life according to the ways of that I wish you to live God gives it as a gift to be accepted there is coming a day however when God will say well what did you do with that gift and for those who said to God well in effect said to God well I'm really not interested in your gift I don't want it or whether they effectively said oh yeah I like your gift and stuck it in the cupboard figuratively speaking and said but it's not for me the dress that we are thinking of earlier is still hanging on the coat hanger in the cupboard unused you know we haven't accepted the gift that's when those who have not accepted God's gift will discover the truth of what wages they've earned and God will say well you're reliant on yourself then. And God will, in effect, execute judgment through His Son, the Lord Jesus. And will say, Well, let's just see. Having refused the gift of eternal life and salvation that was offered, what do you deserve your wages to be? And sadly, These wages will be paid in full, and it will be eternal banishment from God and eternal death, in contrast to the eternal life that is the free gift of God. We can find it amusing to think of children turning down gifts, but there's nothing amusing about rejecting God's gift there's nothing at all funny about telling God that the death of his son the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is of no interest to you and is of no consequence to you but there is great joy in heaven when those who recognise their sinfulness and what that sin brings and how obnoxious sin is in God's sight come and accept the free gift of God of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord in heaven there is great rejoicing says the Lord Jesus in teaching parables over one sinner who repents and the acceptance of God's gift does indeed bring joy to God maybe you've given a gift and felt great joy as that gift has been received thankfully and the person has so obviously been grateful and delighted and you felt happy that they've accepted the gift but well, there's a sense in which God feels delighted that his gift has been accepted. God's thinking and God's feelings are much deeper and not to be compared on a human level in real terms. But for the sake of drawing an analogy I'll make that one. But the other thing is that God is pleased when people accept that gift because he knows what they are being brought into and what they're avoiding. Here we had these trivial examples of turning our nose up at gifts. Well, what's the worst that could happen if you don't accept a box of chocolates? Not a lot of harm. Other than offending the person that gave you. But you're not going to come to any real grief by saying no thanks to a box of chocolates. Or maybe even to a pair of slippers or a dress or whatever. But this gift of God, which is eternal life... As we say, said earlier, the consequence of rejecting it is that we're dependent on our own selves and what we've done. And the Bible is very clear about the wages that we earn because of that. And what we've earned is separation from God. So as we ponder this gift of God this morning, and as we think of this wonderful free gift of God that costs us nothing to obtain it's not based on our works it's not based on what we do it's based on our acceptance of it its real value is in the one who who makes it possible, the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice if we accept that free gift of eternal life then eternal life the presence of God in our life now and forever after we physically die being with him is ours to be had whereas the consequence otherwise is eternal separation from God so we're not talking about something trivial we're not talking about something that is a gift that might be over and done with by the end of the week it's a gift that's eternal and we're talking about matters that affect us and affect our soul forever so as we've thought about this morning and you've maybe heard this message in various ways many many times previously and as you sit thinking about it this morning challenge yourself as to whether God's gift that is being offered so freely to you is one that you're prepared to accept and simply believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross at Calvary the punishment from God that he endured was on your behalf and accept God's gift of eternal life and enter into slavery to a new master the Lord Jesus Christ whom to serve is a delight and a pleasure or just continue the way you're going serving sin and earning your wages that are stacking up They're there to be collected at the wages office. But they're not there to be spent. Once they're collected. They are separation from God forever. And as you think about these things. I pray that you would accept the free gift of God. Eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Shall we pray? Father we give thanks for the fact that you are a God who is capable of supplying a solution to the problems of sin in our lives. We thank you that you give freely this gift of eternal life. And that gift that is given freely was at a great cost because the Lord Jesus purchased the ability for you to forgive. By giving himself on the cross. We do pray that. As each of us has listened to this message today, that we all may be touched to think of where we are in relation to our acceptance of that gift. We do pray that if there's anyone who lives their lives obedient to sin and not to the Lord Jesus, that they may be challenged to give their heart and their life to him and accept the free gift that is offered by you today. And we'd ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, Stephen is ahead.